Welcome to Your Wealth Plan Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Davis. Today we're going to be discussing some things about the crypto market, the housing market, is it going to crash, and some things about the stock market. Uh, once again, disclaimer, nothing that's said on this program should be considered financial advice. This is for education and entertainment purposes only. We highly recommend you seeking out a licensed and professional financial advisor when building your wealth plan. I got sent a picture from my uncle in Cincinnati who is a uh, who works in real estate. He's a real estate appraiser and he is uh, uh, he also sells real estate too when he's not busy doing appraisals but most of the time he's busy doing that. And he sent me this picture that showed a graph. I don't know how old the graph is but it come out from the National Realtors Association, and um, it showed the housing inventory growth. And if you're on the, if you're listening to the podcast, if you get on the YouTube channel, you'll be able to uh, see the see the thumbnail I'm going to put up. We'll we'll have this picture on it, and you can look at it there. Um, those of you on the just listening on the podcast. Uh, you may not be able to see that picture, um, but it will be up on the YouTube channel. But the inventories are exploding. Uh, the highest one was Phoenix, Arizona, up 177%, and the last one on the thing was uh, Jacksonville, Florida, that's at a growth of 75%. Now, they say the year-over-year growth in real estate, the national average is 25%. That's what they claim, anyway. So, you know, I guess that's a guesstimate. Maybe they actually know the figures. I don't know that. I mean, you know, uh, look like Provo, Utah, 168% up. Uh, Colorado Springs, 157% up. Austin, Texas, 139% up. So if you're considering the national average of, you know, 25% year-over-year growth, the housing industry, you know, the housing market as a whole may start to slow. You know, it's, it's basic supply and demand. You know, I don't know when it's going to slow down. I looked at this a little bit after I got the thing, after I got the, the, you know, the, the picture from him discussing the, the housing market slowdown possibility. He thinks it's, he doesn't think it's going to bust. Uh, but he thinks it's going to start to slow. Uh, last night while I was preparing for the podcast, I was looking it up, and, and I don't have the article right now. I didn't print it off. I should have, but I was laying in bed. And the office is at the other side of the house. And anyway, Ramsey Solutions you know, doesn't think there's going to be any slowdown in the housing market in any time in the near future. They're based in Tennessee. Tennessee is seeing a whole lot of growth right now. Uh, so is Kentucky. We are, uh, even in our area, uh, a guy at my job uh, just moved, recently moved from California. Uh, you know, people from California are relocating here and in places in Tennessee. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's a mass exodus, but it is a... Uh, but it is a, uh, uh, you know, it's happening. It's more so happening now than what it has in years past. 
you know, we just, uh, you hardly ever met someone passing through from California in their area, let alone moving here. You wonder how the heck did they find out about a little place in the uh, backwoods of the country where you got to pretty much carry in sunlight in a bucket. You know, it's just, it, it's amazing to me that, uh, you know, that people find these places like this and relocate to. And it's not an area that you want to come to, you know, to get rich or to make money, but it's a place that you come to to retire. Um, you know, most of the people here are people that's been born and raised here and never really leave. You know, they, they just kind of stay here. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just one of those things. You just come here to kind of stay. But if the housing market does start to slow, what does that mean for the economy? Uh, I just went in Saturday morning and uh, looked at a jug of milk. Uh, Prairie Farms premium brand, $7.15 a gallon. You know, how can people afford to pay $7.15 a gallon for milk? Most families will drink, uh, you know, my family, my two twins, you know, and, and me will drink, you know, roughly five gallons of milk a week and sometimes six uh, yeah, it's just it's insane to think that families you know with with a bunch of little kids it's going to drink significantly more milk uh, well we may drink quite a bit of milk because the boys are into bodybuilding and that sort of thing so they drink they consume a lot of milk but you know what about a family with small children you know even the Walmart brand was was over three dollars a gallon now. You know how how can people afford afford this? It's the same as anything. Housing is getting high for middle class people to buy. Food is getting tougher to buy. Uh, everything shows a significant slowdown in the economy. It's uh, you know it is what it is. You know we go through these times, good times and bad times. And, you just got to make the best of it. You got to, you know, my great grandpa always said, if you watch your nickels and dimes or your pennies and nickels, whichever way it was, your dollars will take care of yourself, themselves. You know, uh, he said that in response to my grandpa had bought something and turned around and resold it and made a few dollars on it. And, you know, my grandpa was using that lesson to teach my dad, hey, you know, if you watch what you do, you can take your dollars and use your dollars to make to make uh, more dollars. And uh, my great grandpa nudged my dad and said, "Now listen. So if you watch your nickels and dimes, or watch your pennies and nickels, your dollars will take care of yourself. Will, will take care of themselves." So I'm passing that advice on today. Uh, you know. For your consideration, <laughs> you know, watch your nickels and dimes, watch your pennies, you know, uh, watch the small things. You maybe thinking, oh, who can buy anything this day and time, you know, uh, for a penny or nickel? Well, you can't, you know, you, you can't. It's impossible. And uh, but you know, we're possibly looking at a at a slowdown in the housing market. I don't think that's going to be a crash. Ramsey Solutions says it's not going to slow anytime in the future. I guess they're banking on so many people leaving these liberal-held states that, you know, they don't, 
but they don't expect a slowdown. They are way smarter than I am, so, you know, I trust what they have to say, I guess, but I do think that there could be uh, a significant slowdown. Now, does that mean housing prices are going to fall? I don't know that. Uh, you know, no one really, no one really knows these things. You know, how, how can you know what's going to happen? You know, I'm sure there's insiders that see trends and kind of can predict which way things are moving, but you really don't know when something's going to happen. It's like when I started selling off the stocks in the holding company, you know, over a year or so ago, uh, when it made the death cross, you know, when the short-term moving average crossed below the long-term moving average. And I knew right then, hey, I better cut my losses and get out. You know, I watched some uh, gains go from as much as four and five hundred percent down to a couple hundred percent or even a hundred percent before it got totally out of positions. Uh, now that's good. You know, that's good. You know, uh, I made a little money. But also at the same time, you know, this whole year being out of the market, I've lost a lot of gains. I mean, I've lost a lot of dividends. Uh, you know, the dividends that have been flowing in and buying more has been significant uh, that I've lost. And, you know, it's just, yeah, what do you do? <laughs> it's a catch-22. Do you sit there and take a huge loss? Or do you, you know, you know, take a potential huge loss by, loss by writing it out? Or do you, you know, sell like I did and take your profits off the table and wait for a time to buy back in? Uh, you know, who knows? I mean, I mean, who really knows? That, that brings me to... Uh, article I seen this morning from The Motley Fool. Uh, some of you may know, I, I used to write, I had a syndicated blog for The Motley Fool for a while. Uh, they are, I, I highly trust them. They're, they're, they're great people. They're, you know, it's a, it's a good organization. They do the best, you know, you know, they, they just do some, the best work and they get some great stock recommendations. Although I don't invest that way anymore. I used to invest that way. I am primarily a a cash flow investor now instead of a dividend I mean instead of a uh, instead of a capital gains investor and my reason for that is because you know at 27 I made a lot of money in the stock market but then when I sold it all it was hard for me to ever duplicate that success and especially not rapidly as what the market was at that time I could you know I could easily you know, jump from one stock to another and make, you know, tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, just from leaping from one to, to another and making, you know, three to four hundred percent almost every almost every time and no less than 150 percent. And the market, you just, the market's changed. The market's changed and, and it's hard to do that, you know. It moves a lot faster than what it did. Uh, you know, it, it's just, it's a different market that, it's a different market than what I cut my teeth on, and I don't entirely understand it, and I did come back to the philosophy of Robert Kiyosaki uh, and Warren Buffett to buy and hold long term, and you think, okay, I got this asset, in order to get money out of it, I got to sell it, you know, uh, when if you invest in dividends, you don't have to sell that asset. Now I did before the crash, 
I did sell out, but typically speaking, uh, you know, in normal up and down cycles of the market, not, you know, Armageddon, basically, uh, you know, you wouldn't sell. You would use that cash flow, you know, right on through to buy more stocks and just, just keep growing. And like I said, I lost a lot of growth by doing that, but I probably saved, you know, uh, my profits from doing that. And this, anyway, this article from uh, The Motley Fool by Trevor Genuine. Uh, is it smart to invest in the stock market right now? Take advice from Warren Buffett and Peter Lynch. Now, we both know that, you know, these guys are, are you know, phenomenal. They're the best out there. Uh, Berkshire Hathaway has seen its share price soar more than 3,600,000% under Warren Buffett's leadership. Peter Lynch achieved an annualized return of 29.2% during the time period defined by oil shocks, rampant inflation, and high interest rates. Okay. Just scanning over this article, I'm looking for, I read it this morning, but I had to go back through it with my phone. Uh... Okay, here it is. I want to read this section. Advice from Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett is often called the Oracle Omaha. In reference to his uncanny stock picking abilities and his residence in Nebraska, Buffett built that reputation over several decades using Berkshire Hathaway to fund his investing activities. Berkshire stock is up more than 3,600,000% since he took the helm in 1964, and the company has grown to a $600 billion behemoth. Not surprisingly, Buffett has become a short, a sort of North Star for many investors. During the Great Recession, Buffett wrote an opinion piece for the New York Times, and one quote in particular that has become part of the investing lore, he mentioned that the abysmal state of the stock market, then when he went on to say, a simple rule dictates my buying. Be fearful when others are greedy, and greedy when others are fearful. Those words have been repeated countless times since then, but they are especially relevant in the current bear market. Fears are where right now inflation hit a 40-year high earlier this summer. Interest rates are rising at a pace not seen since the 1980s. Several other scary things, geopolitical conflict, you know, like the war on, you know, the war in Ukraine and everything else. Goes on to say, to be clear, the stock market downturn may drag on for months or even years, but Buffett has consistently advocated for long-term mentality. In his op-ed piece, he noted investors were right to be worried about businesses and weak competitive positions, but fears regarding long-term prosperity of the nation may sound, many sound companies make no sense, and there are plenty of sound companies around today. And go on down here and here is some advice from Peter Lynch the real key to making money in stocks is not to get scared out of them a correction is a wonderful opportunity to buy your favorite companies at bargain prices we also know how Peter Lynch got his his mom or somebody into another company and he said oh this is a great price on this company he talks openly about this. I'm not making fun of him because we've all done it. We've all done it. I've lost money for my family uh, while I made money. And that's that's a terrible thing to say. But, it, you know, it's reality. You can't always 
know what's going to happen. And I've sold out stocks for my family that you know, would have made them a fortune. And it's just, it's one of those things that happen. Uh, got new ear, earphones, trying to figure them out. Sometimes you tap them and it starts playing music and, uh, automatically. But I haven't got them quite figured out yet. But anyway, that's kind of basically what happened to me. I kind of got scared out. You know, this whole Ukraine deal starting to heat up. This COVID deal. And I was afraid to lose those losses, or take those losses. And, in fact, I've, I've occurred many other losses from doing that. Within the last three to five months, yeah, somewhere in there, I started buying back. And for the longest time, they were crashing faster than I could buy. Uh, meaning, I, you know, I'd buy this week, and uh, by next week, I'd be down several percent. Only in the last week or two have I noticed my stocks coming back up and I'm up at like 2 to 5% on a couple positions right now. And, you know, it is what it is. No one knows for sure, but if it's even the bottom or not. But it's down far enough now that I can trust that I can, you know, go back in. And, now, this is me personally, you know. Uh, that doesn't mean it's the right time for you to buy back in. But for me personally, I've started buying back in, and, you know, it, it is what it is. But I've lost I've lost a year's worth of growth for my company by sitting on the sideline. Thumb-sucking, as Warren Buffett would call it, just sitting there thumb-sucking. I've lost a lot, of, a lot of cash flow to my company. And, you know, it's just, that's something I'll never recover from, is time. Time in the market always beats time out of the market. But, you know, who, who's to say what was going to happen? You know, every day it's a new threat of nuclear war and shutting down the market permanently and all this kind of crap that you hear. Uh, it's just it's, it's crazy times. It's crazy times. I also ran across another article. Last night or this morning early. It was probably wee early, wee morning hours this morning. Uh, it's by Tom Corley, and uh, I think it was on MSN Money. I'm, I'm thinking I, I, I didn't write that down, but uh, the title of the article is, and you should look it up. Uh, I spent five years interviewing 233 millionaires. Here are the six habits that made them ultra wealthy, and once again, it's by Tom Corley, um, and it's the same. It's basically the same thing you always hear. I mean, it's something that you always hear. Uh, these articles are all the same, almost always. They're, are they fluff pieces? Are they filler pieces? Eh, you know, kind of, maybe. I don't know. But there are some points here I like to go over. Because these are always listed, but they're not... Are they really? Are they really... I mean, are these really the habits that made these people super wealthy? I don't know. Uh, number one, self-made millionaires are constantly learning. You know, that's true. You know, 
uh, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger, all these guys say, hey, you know, you want wisdom? You know, this is a nutshell, paraphrase. Uh, you know, you want to read all you can, learn all you can, and, you know, I'll agree with this point. You know, you never stop learning. Always try to improve. It's the same way in your relationship. You know, you got to be the best, you know, version of yourself possible. You know, to keep your wife, keep your girlfriend. Uh, especially in this day and age. And they got 10, 20 guys DMing them all day long trying to, you know, get their number. You know, you've got to rise above all that. You've got to be a better better uh, catch for them than the next guy because hypergamy is real you know you may think oh I got the best Christian uh, unicorn wife in the world uh, and she would never uh, betray her vows to God or or her vows to me and her family and our community and our church and everything else but but you'd be dead wrong uh, hypergamy you know never trumps religion for a lady uh, hypergamy will never uh, you know, you can't. We look at women the way we look at their assets. We invest in them and we expect them to give us a return. An investment in a woman never pays long term dividends. Uh, that meaning, and this is not supposed to be a you know, relationship you know, advice, but. Uh, you know, when a woman finds a better option, she's not going to say and look and say, "Hey, look how hard this guy worked or sacrificed and all the things he gave to me." Uh, she's going to say, "Okay, I've used up all I can get out of this guy, and it's time to go on to the next one." And no matter what kind of religious devotion your wife or girlfriend may claim to have, uh, it'll never, or even how much she loves the Lord Himself, it will never trump her natural inbred you know uh, evolutionary uh, hypergamy it just it, it'll never happen and it's the same way in business uh, if you're going to succeed if you're going to stay relevant long term you've got to constantly be learning you've got to constantly be reading like I said earlier you know about the stock market changing you know uh I started out reading different books, but the one that made the most significance to me is How to Make the Stock Market Make Money for You by Ted Warren. And that's the book I used to make 300% consecutively, you know. Uh, but the market's changed some since then. It, it's changed, and then it's not the same as what it was. Is the book still relevant? Yeah, it's still relevant. I don't know if you can always make 300% now, but uh, it'll it'll help you. But the market has changed. You know, uh, people can buy and sell millions of shares in a second, versus you know having to go downtown to the bank, talk to your broker or your brokerage, issue the order. You know, they got to call it in. Da da da. You know, times are different now. Things have changed. Number two, self-made millionaires listen more than they talk. Yeah, you know, maybe the ones I've been around, they ask a lot of questions. You know, 
they don't really tell you a whole lot. They ask a lot of questions of you to find out what you know. And they do it in a very, not in a condescending manner, that's not what I'm saying. They do it in a very humble, uh, interesting, you know, like they're interested in you. They're, uh, they don't question you to uh, make you look stupid, is what I'm saying. They try to learn from those around them, you know, and that's one thing I've learned from them. And can that, can that help you build wealth? Yeah, that can. Uh, can constantly learning help you build wealth? Yeah, yeah, it can if it's applied. And uh, listening more than you talk. And another thing that you'll find out, very few will offer you advice. I had one offer me advice one time. He said, uh, uh, you'll make more money in your life with a Save-A-Lot franchise than you will anything else. So you want the key to wealth, buy you a, a, a Save-A-Lot franchise. And, you know, I probably should have done that. I probably should have taken that advice. Uh, but I didn't. You know, I, I probably should have. Point number three, self-made millionaires build great dreams you know, they dream big uh, you know just dreaming big will not get you anywhere you've got to have a goal and a vision and something Patrick Bat David says that I believe wholeheartedly is you you know you got to have a game plan what's your next five moves you know that's a great book by, by Patrick Bat David uh I've not read it. I've got the summaries and stuff and checked it out and listened to him talk about it, but I've not read the book yet. I need to read the book. I really do. I've uh, just not had time to yet. It's on my list. Uh, but you've got to be able to break down those dreams and the goals and those goals and action plans and the steps, you know. And you got to have them con not say congruent. You know, you've got to do what you say you're going to do. And you've got to make sure they're stepped out right. You can't jump from step one to step five. You know, you've got to go one, two, three, four, five, and maybe one A, B, C, D, then two A, B, C, D, then three A, B, C, D. But you've got to have a, a proper roadmap. you got to have a step. And you got to stick to it. You know, if you don't stick to it, you're wasting your time. So, yeah, that's, that's, a, you know, that's, a, that's a good point. They dream big. I guess... I guess I wrote that down wrong. Threes uh, build great dreams, great teams. Okay, I can't read my own writing. Sorry about that. They build great teams. Well, this is something that uh, number four is dream big, but number threes build great teams. I've noticed most people build great teams after they have achieved some amount of success. Or on the way to it. Uh, I know it's like my uncle and my aunt, they have, a, they built their career in real estate and, and, and politics and such. They've, they've encountered many people that they have come acquainted with that, you know, that they give favors to and favors are returned. And, you know, it's friendship. It's, 
they, they're building a team, not necessarily a team that works for them or with them, but a team of individuals and associates that they know around them that can help them achieve things in life. And you don't get into that club easily. That's something you do on the way up, and it's something that you work into and you earn your way into. Average Joe out on the street ain't going to go out and build a great team. You're not. You've got to do something to earn your right to be there. There are no particip- uh, participation trophies in this in this sport. There's, there's, there's just not any. You, know, you showed up and you, know, you got a trophy. No, you've got to do something. You've got to bring something to the table and uh, help them accomplish something and you know, scratch my back, I scratch your back kind of thing, you know. And that's just the way it is. But you also have to achieve a certain level of success in order for them people to trust you or, you know, to welcome you in. And, uh, you know, I know what they're talking about here is building a great team around them so that they can focus on the vision and the team can focus on the day-to-day ins and outs. Average Joe off the street's not going to build a team to take care of everything while he, you know, just focuses on his vision. That's not going to happen. That, you know, that's not how you build wealth in the beginning. That's something that happens, that's a byproduct of already having a certain amount of success and a certain amount of cash that you can afford to pay the best team to come in and take your business to the next level. The way you do it as a small-time person, you know, like me, or, you know, like people coming up. Here's how families, you know, say you have 10 kids. One kid, you know, really loves the woods. You know, he likes the timber industry. He he likes working with wood. He, He understands that stuff. So what you do is you send him to lumber grading school, forestry school, or whatever, and uh, you get him established there, and he can come back and he can help you find land, you know, that uh, has great timber on it, you know, to make you some money, make you some profit, you know, that'll produce a profit and revenue for decades, years, centuries, you know, for the family in the future. You have another kid who, who likes law, who understands law, and is interested in that sort of thing. So you, you send him to school to uh, be a lawyer, and he comes back and he takes care of all the legal work for you, and, and he gets a check from the company to take care of that sort of thing. And then you got another guy who is proficient in real estate, who enjoys real estate, and, and you know, another kid or son-in-law or daughter or whatever that really likes real estate. So get them trained up and send them out in their way and you support them and they bring in you know rental properties and vacation homes that you can rent out apartment complexes and they find you great deals in the in the in the real estate market then you have another kid you know say he's a proficient in crypto so he you help him learn everything he can about crypto so that he uh, uh he's able to find you the best deals in the crypto market uh, then you take another kid, you know, who's, you know, he just likes to flip burgers, you know, he's just a, 
he enjoys the restaurant business, you know. Uh, he just he just enjoys that. So what you do is you help him get set up in franchises, and you put him over it, and then you just start building franchise on franchise on franchise. And that's how you build your company with your family. Kind of like it's kind of like the same way Trump did it. Only it's not the same way Trump did it, but it's similar. You, you take what you have and you work with it, and you develop it, and you use it as a whole to build wealth for your entire family. And you keep the wealth in your family that way. You know, you're not paying some other guy, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars to run your, uh, you know, your franchises, your, fran- your, your franchise business. You're, you're, you're paying your kid. You're keeping the money in the family. You're helping them out. And the same way about the, you know, with every, with every one of those positions. And that's the way the Rothschilds did it, you know. They kept everybody in the family and they kept everybody employed in the family. And they built massive amount of wealth by doing that. Rockefellers, they were pretty much the same way. I don't know what they're doing now, but it's pretty much the same way. So if you can't afford to go out and buy a team, and if you've not already achieved a certain level of success to uh, a mastermind group around you to uh, help further your business and you help further their businesses, you know, you know, build your kids. Invest in your kids. Your kids are your future anyway. They're your legacy. Grandkids, they're your, they're your legacy. You know, build a team with them. And we've already discussed Dream Big. I kind of jumped ahead on that one. Prioritize your health. Now, this is a big one that kind of hits home. A couple weeks ago, I was in the hospital with a possible heart attack. Uh... You know, I've been struggling with my weight for years, trying to get it off, going to the gym, you know, I work a lot of overtime. Uh, here lately, I've not spent as much time on the podcast because I've been, uh, you know, after the divorce, I've been trying to take care of some of the things that's falling apart here at the house, you know, get my house back in, you know, shade because, you know, the plan changed. You know, we went from, uh, you know, from whatever it was to, whatever it is now you know so I'd let some things go around here that I had to fix you know I had to get taken care of so since I didn't have money in the market or anything like that much I just I said you know I've redone decks and painted and updated some of the things here and been working on most of it myself and got my little nephew to come and help me with some of it and trying to do it as cost effectively as possible and uh, turn that off anyway get that going and and uh, so I end up in the hospital my blood pressure is like spiking through the roof uh, super high you know nearly 200 on top and over 100 on the bottom and irregular heartbeat and everything else your health is super important. You can't accomplish anything without taking care of your health. You've got to get your health in check. That's something I'm learning the hard way. You know, just I thought, well, I'll just keep active and keep working, and I'll be okay. You know, but it just don't work like that. You got to prioritize your health all the way around. It is what it is. 
Number six, make your own luck. This is something that resonates with me because I've always considered myself having fairly poor luck. Uh, it's like I achieve a certain amount of success and everything's going around really good and all of a sudden the carpet is just, the rug's just yanked right underneath my feet and I fall flat on my face, you know. Uh, divorce, you know, whatever. It just happens, you know. Marry the wrong person a couple times. The next thing you know, you're starting all over again. You know, over and over and over and over. And that's kind of been the history of my life. You know, uh, build a business, make some money, do really good, get married, lose it all. <laughs> you, know, it, you know, it happens, you know. You know uh, I like women. You know, that's what it is. You know. Um... But you gotta make your own luck. And my dad always tells me that. You gotta make your own luck. Well, dad has a significant amount of luck. And he's had a share of bad luck too. But he's, uh, he's not always had to face the same trials that I've had to face, you know. And that's, that, that's a lot too. And it's just, it is what it is, you know. But you make your own luck. Someone else said, the harder I work, the luckier I get. And I don't know who said that, but I hear that quote a lot. The harder I work, the luckier I get. And maybe that's true, you know. Uh, but if hard work alone made you rich, there's guys I know here in this town that are the hardest working individuals I ever met in my life. And, but, you know, it is what it is. And, just working 60 hours a week to pay for a new truck is not going to make you wealthy. It's not going to get you anywhere. You know, that truck's going to depreciate, it's going to fall apart, it's going to be wrecked, it's, something's going to happen to it. you gotta, you got to work for assets, not liabilities. And I think... Being prepared for things, too help you a lot, you know, making your own luck, say, having insurance policies, having uh, uh, backup plans, having uh, having enough cash set aside to weather a bad storm, that helps you through uh, bad times, hard times, I think that's got a lot to do with making your own luck too, not just working hard, but Making sure you have the cash reserves to to weather storms. And that's not easy to stay in time. You know, it's not easy any time, but especially in the high inflation economy that we're in, it's definitely a, you know not a not easy to do. It's you know I know people working seven days a week right now, take care of their families. I pretty much work seven days a week right now, too. Maybe not on a job, but, you know, on the company and, and uh, you know, on the house and just different things like that. Trying to take care of things. You know, there's no no real downtime. I guess this is the most downtime I've had in a couple months. You know, for working on the house, I got so far behind. I hadn't even done month the end on the company for over two months because I hadn't tracked dividends, hadn't done no... Uh, 
hadn't redone a short-term game plan for the company or anything else just because I've been, you know, painting and, and working on the house and just doing stuff like that. Uh, landscaping. Gardening. Yeah, put out a garden. Yeah, had all that stuff to take care of. But making your own look. Uh, prepping. You know, prep, preparing for an emergency, you know. Having food stores, water back up, you know, just making your own look. Preparing, be prepared. I think that means a lot. Looking at the crypto markets, Bitcoin, nineteen thousand two hundred fifty-eight point ninety-three. Will it ever go back up? I don't know. I don't know. I found one guy, I ain't gonna say no names, but uh, I started buying some of his crypto recommendations because, you know, he claimed, you know, he turned like a hundred bucks into like, you know, several hundred thousand. And he may have, he may have during the market when it was going up, just like, you know, I did when the, you know, after 2001, I made a lot of money up till 2008. Then after 2008, boom, I made a lot of money again in the stock market. Like Warren Buffett says, when the tide goes out, that's when you see who's swimming naked. When times are easy to make money, anybody can make money. When times are hard to make money, that's when the real men are made. But I'm down everywhere in crypto. I'm, I'm down so much and I do not understand it. It is a learning curve for me. I'm going to have to take some time and figure it out. But it is what it is. Right now, I'm not making any crypto investments whatsoever. None. Uh, I was buying those, and I, I just stopped. They're, they're just going down. Right now, I'm focusing on buying back in dividend stocks. Companies already held. Uh, I do have one growth company, and that's it. I probably won't go any more growth companies. Speaking of the stock market, I was looking through the... You know how Tesla's come down so much, and it's still two, three hundred dollars, somewhere around in there. I'm, I'm not a Tesla investor. I do not. I do not like the electric cars. Do not like them. But I did find something. It looked like Honda has pretty much held its price all the way through all this. And it went up, but it's not went down significantly. time like this I'd rather have me a flatline company that's uh, throwing me some dividends than anything else I believe you know and all these cars are pretty much interchangeable anyway anymore it was like, oh I like Chevrolet well I like Ford I like this well you know what transmissions that are in Chevrolet's are in Ford's too now Toyota some cars in Toyota are pretty much a Mazda 3, you know. I mean, just with a little bit different stuff to it. But all the same working, same mechanics, exact same company makes everything, you know. Most of these companies are interchangeable. I mean, most of these car cars are pretty much the same thing anymore. And it's a very boring world we live in when all the cars look the same, drive the same, act the same, look the same. It's, you know, there's no style, there's no charisma to a vehicle. You look at the cars from the 
60s and 70s and you know the Chevelles and the Camaros and Mustangs and all that they had some character you know everything looks the same now it's boring very boring if you ask me but you know it is what it is well folks I wish you the very best God bless you and once again disclaimer now this is to be considered financial advice just entertainment educational purposes only we recommend that you seek out a licensed and professional financial advisor when building your wealth plan until then thanks for listening